Well, welcome to the podcast for our Lenten journey as we journey through the book, The Way of the Disciple, with Erasmo Lieva Maricakis. And today we'll be going through the third chapter, which is Following the Homeless One. And Sarah will um, greet you and then just open up for us because she's better at that than me. So I'll let her go. <laughs> oh, Father Zach is very funny. <laughs> uh, but hello, everyone. It's good to be with you again today. And we're going to start by reading a portion of the chapter uh, that sets us up for the gospel that we're reflecting on today. The chapter is the third one in the book, Following the Homeless One. Of course, that's in reference to Jesus himself. So if you have a book and are following along, we will begin at the bottom of page 58. Before we go into our text, we should first briefly consider how we should approach this and all the other gospel passages in which we shall seek the meaning of discipleship. The Catechism of the Catholic Church opens with the following words, Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In this context, the verb to know obviously refers not to the acquisition of facts or ideas, but to progressive admission into the intimacy of the person of the Father, analogous to the way in which people love one another as a result of long association. No one has ever seen God, writes St. Paul in his prologue. The only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. If the life of our soul, our very salvation, consists in knowing God intimately as source of our being, it is also true that only in the Son will we come to know God. In other words, Jesus is the living exegesis of the Father, as the Greek text of this verse of John affirms quite literally. The disciples' association with Jesus within time would then be modeled on the pattern of the incarnate Word's own association with the Father in eternity. Therefore, just as Jesus says of himself, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, so too does he say of his disciples, I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. And Peter, for his part, exclaims in the presence of the Sanhedrin, We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Christ's presence among us, his disciples, is truly an opening up and an extension within us creatures of the eternal relationship of love between the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. The Christian community is thus a visible manifestation of the divine life of the Holy Trinity, and the Church, the body of Christ, is consequently the place where the vital knowledge that saves is communicated. Now let us read our text, paying close attention to every detail, since in the Gospel nothing is superfluous. And this text is from Matthew chapter 8. Now when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. 
And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the waves, the winds, and the sea. There was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Dang. I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, such a beautiful passage. Yeah, I think this is one of the most confusing passages for people uh, when they hear Jesus say things like, you know, it's just so weird, like, I'll follow you, here we go. And then Jesus is like, well, foxes have dens and birds have, <laughs> birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, it's like, what in the world are you talking about? And this, this is going to unpack that for us. And I think it's really important. And, you know, for those of you who are listening to us who are going through a storm, maybe personally or in your family or in your community or in your diocese, or gosh, I don't know, the world as we look at it, the United States. <laughs> I wonder if there's any storms out there. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think this will, will give you great peace. And I think just by Jesus saying, you know, they, saying, why are you afraid, O men of little faith? So that means we need to increase our faith quite, quite clearly. Um, at the bottom of page 61, he kind of gets to the point of this. And I want to lead into something you and I prayed about uh, yesterday. Um, but he says, the scene clearly evokes the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea. Here, too, firm land had to be left behind for the uncertainty of water. And the Jews had to trust God's words through Moses, telling them that only through this path lay the way to salvation. By leaving the land behind, the disciples also are leaving behind all their old ideas, habits, desires, prejudices, and they abandon themselves into Jesus' hands and better judgment. The water symbolizes the danger of the unknown, the threat of the uncertain. Well, just thinking of like, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus and we don't leave things behind, are we really followers of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Can we say, I once was on that side of the sea and now I'm on this side of the sea. That's basically what a metanoia is. I mean, I'm kind of on this metanoia kick right now. But I think the question is like, what did you leave behind? And I, I want to just enter into what you told me yesterday of like, are we leaving our false dreams behind? You know, you talk about that, that um, Protestant pastor or speaker who talked about we're dreaming the wrong dreams. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of the problem. I think a lot of people, yeah, they're like they're not aware that Jesus' home is in the, in the bosom of the Father, which is a big theme in this particular uh, chapter. Maybe you could speak about that. Um, would we be willing to leave false dreams or empty dreams behind and how that kind of affected you and just opened your heart? Yeah. Bit? Before I jump into that, I, mm -hmm. as you're talking, I had this picture of another Thing that Jesus had said of the narrow way. Mm -hmm. I've often thought like you can't carry a lot of stuff on the narrow way. Right? Oh, You're yeah. not going to fit through. So it's another yeah. image of leaving things behind. Uh, but I heard that comment at a conference I went to when I was about 19. So I was in college, the age of our students right now. And it was a conference about mission mm -hmm. and joining Jesus in his mission, which is something we're always inviting our student disciples to do. And I don't remember, you know, we don't remember everything 20 or more years later, but yeah. I remember that line so distinctly. And I don't even know if it was a speaker reflecting back. It might have been the MC challenging mm -hmm. us and saying, don't dream all of the wrong dreams. Yeah. And that really caused me to think about, like, what are my dreams? Mm. 
are they in line with what God has dreamed for me? Yeah. Uh, and I've talked about this before. I mean, for most of my life, my dream was marriage. I wanted mm-hmm. to be married, to have a family in the usual sort of sense. Mm-hmm. And what God slowly revealed to me was that, yes, that's a beautiful dream, but he had a far bigger dream for me. He right. wanted to espouse me to himself. Yeah. And that's not going to be the way it works for everyone, but I think for our students, they have dreams that they're holding on to. Yeah. And maybe they're not of the Lord, or maybe the yeah. Lord wants to take them and say, look, your dream is little, and yeah. I want to give you something so much bigger. Right, yeah. I was thinking even as you're saying that, like, what if we just even ask that question, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what are your dreams for me? Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, it's kind of like saying, you know, what is your will for my life? And I think there's an invitation to all, for all of us uh, to, again, go back to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, and his, he says his plans are for our welfare, not for our woes. So if you're living in a place of emptiness or you're being tossed around by the waves of the world and you're wondering, like, Lord, where are you? I was, you may ask him, what are your dreams for me? Because mm-hmm. clearly, if you're being tossed around all the time, not sometimes, but all the time, uh, then it's like, well, this is not God's plan for you. Mm-hmm. Scripture would say, no, he wants to bring you to solid ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in order... Uh, what, what Jesus, or what Erasmus of Americacus says in the, on page 62, uh, he says Jesus is presently staging a deliberate spiritual showdown mm-hmm. by exposing the disciples to their own deepest fears. Yes. And I think um, that's, he says that's baptism, since baptism is above all, uh, in baptism, above all, we experience the death of the old man and the birth of the new man. So water must first kill it, <laughs> kill if it's going to give new life. And I think like, uh, it says sin must be drowned as well as the tendency to sin and he even goes on further to say uh, and um, an inclination to sin is aided and abetted by the chaos normally reigning in our passions Um, he goes on further to say in the place of such chaos must be born the saving virtues uh, in order to you know be brought to solid ground of trust faith hope and the ability to love he says the crossing of the lake then symbolizes the deepest possible transformation of the persons involved so we, would, we could say now that part of God's dream is your complete transformation exactly <laughs> we know that for certain and he kind of carries on with this theme on page 66 part that really struck me Jesus is talking about Jesus and he says Jesus wanted to expose his friends to mortal fear yeah I love it I'm like what <laughs> that's my kind of language let's <laughs> what, go Jesus like I had always read that passage thinking, well, this is something that just happened to happen, and Jesus mm-hmm. was there to rescue them. Mm-hmm. But no, there's something deeper going on. Yeah. Jesus wanted them to feel that fear so yeah. that they could transcend it and mm-hmm. learn to trust him in a much deeper way. Yeah, on my, on my pages as I wrote like little notes, um, on one page it says, Jesus is strange. Next page says, Jesus is mysterious. Jesus is kind of a weirdo. Um, and I mean that in the most respective way because if we think we understand Jesus, we have lost right. the mystery in it all. And I think of often how people like with their fears, they say, oh, it's not a big deal if I drink. And, and like, I get it. Drinking with moderation, uh, yeah, not a big deal. Right. Or something like, well, it's not a big deal if I look at pornography. Or it's not a big deal if I you know, support anti-Christian things. Like, what, what's the big deal? My thing is, well, okay, if it's not a big deal, then just stop. <laughs> just stop. And... Uh, it's not a big deal. Like you could, clearly, you could say no to it, and you would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I think by them saying that, it's basically saying, actually, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of things. Sometimes we, we do things to numb our fears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I binge on social media to numb my fears. Um, 
instead of sometimes just like again getting back into that rest of, of looking at not resting to do more I found myself doing that yesterday uh, <laughs> should have been at that but like I think there's an invitation to rest just mm-hmm. to be with Jesus in right. the boat and knowing that he's always with you no matter where you are yeah. substantially in the Eucharist yes right. but also through the spirit um, he's with you no matter where you are all, where you are all you have to say is come Holy Spirit help me overcome my fears of even that little fear that if I don't check my Instagram or if I don't check my Snapchat or YouTube or whatever, I'll be okay, <laughs> you know, uh, so I can overcome these things. And again, it's not that they're bad in themselves. It's just um, they're not Jesus. Right, right. And what we really need to do is look for Jesus in those moments of fear, right? So we can either numb or maybe mm-hmm. just become paralyzed by mm-hmm. the fearful thing that's around us. Mm-hmm. And eventually the disciples are thinking, oh, wait, maybe we should go to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he, he's asleep in the boat, which again, yeah. Jesus is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. So he's asleep, he's resting in the heart of the Father, even mm-hmm. in the midst of the storm. Mm-hmm. And he's not worried about what's happening. Um, I went through a really challenging phase in my own spiritual life, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago now. And this passage is really important to me in that Mm. moment. And the picture I had for my life was that I was on a lake in the boat with Mm -hmm. Jesus. And I was so frustrated with him for being asleep, like wake up and do something. I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that before. But what I slowly began to realize as I went back to that passage again and again in prayer was that he just wanted me to lay down beside him and mm. rest with him. Yep. That trust of resting with him, even in the midst of the storm or the darkness or whatever is mm. going on in your life. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do, but it really is the most freeing. And then yeah. I realized once I was starting to do that, like this is actually all I wanted. I just wanted to be with Jesus yeah. and to rest with him. And he is always in control. Right. Even when he's allowing himself to be handed over. he's always, And I think that's... Yeah, like, who, who is this who can calm the winds and calm the mm-hmm. sea? But not just the physical, but also, like, my emotions, my passions. Yeah, he can take your impurity and make it pure. He can take your your uh, drunkenness and make it sober. He can do that. Um, but I think often when I look at this particular chapter, I can remember, I think it was, like, my fourth or fifth year of seminary. Mind you, I had six years. I probably needed more, but I, I, I loved it. But I remember one time going through, jeez, uh, I always think of Peter also on the boat. Uh, calling out to Jesus when there's a storm mm. at another, another time. And he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me on the water. And I'm always like, what an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, why would you Stay try to walk boat. out? Stay in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is the, the lope, Jesus, is not in the boat, which right, is a symbol of the church. Right. And I remember like being Peter. It's like, well, I think I can, I can, I can handle the devil. I can handle mm-hmm. myself. I got this. And like, like, Lord, save me from my idiocy. I'm just like <laughs> Peter. And like the Lord pulls me back in the boat. This is, mind you, not the first time I've meditated mm-hmm. upon this particular passage. Mm-hmm. And we fell back in the boat, kind of similar like you did, just to lay with him. But I was laughing. I'm like, I can't beat you. Why do I, <laughs> why do I even try? And he's just like, I know. I don't mind saving I love saving you. And he's just like, um, he had that holy laughter. Yeah. And I think that's, some of us are just so hard on ourselves. And, and to our listeners, you know, sometimes I I give people penances during, uh, during, um, confession and they're just so hard on themselves and, and from a priest I'm getting emotional but from a priest 
I just I say you have to pray the words gentle Jesus please help me be gentle with myself and some some of our students are just so hard on themselves because they've been brought up to be perfect their grades yeah. are their identity yeah. and they got to conquer those those waters or their right. athletics are their identity right. and they have to conquer those fears or like the opinions of others um, and that might just be a, a prayer to, for you to consider if you're listening to start praying gentle Jesus please help me be gentle with myself mm-hmm. because I think when we ask Jesus where are you in this he's like I will gently pull you aside mm-hmm. to me and and show you where I am when those foxes you know have dens and those birds or the sky have nests like where where do I desire to be and, and that's where he talks about his home being the homeless one his home is in the bosom of the father mm-hmm. uh, so he so we can realize that the father doesn't want to just like slap us around or tell us how bad right. we are he wants to mold us and shape us he wants to be gentle with us um, often I think of the image from the famous image I think it's a Rembrandt from uh, the prodigal son but one hand of the fa- prodigal father mm-hmm. is large saying his authority and the other hand is smaller as a symbol of his gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's saying like he's he's firm, but he's also gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? I was wondering if you do if you experience that gentleness when you've kind of fell back into the boat. Like, I just wanted to be with you, Jesus. Oh yeah, it was very sweet. And he didn't wake up actually. It was just being with him in the quiet and the mm-hmm. stillness. And you know, I. Sometimes, like many of us, struggle with those voices in my head that are accusing, like our mm-hmm. students do. And what I have realized over time, when I brought those to the Lord, like sometimes He doesn't say anything at all. And I've been like, Jesus, why don't you say anything in the midst mm-hmm. of this storm in my head? Mm-hmm. And what He said to me once later was, No, I don't want you to confuse my voice with those voices, because mm-hmm. that is not how my voice is. My voice yeah. is tender and gentle mm-hmm. to you. Um, so. I do hope our students can hear that mm. still, small, gentle voice as they come to him and realize those accusing voices are not the voice of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, the Lord, for all of our listeners, the Lord will never accuse you. That's the evil one. The Lord is, is a Lord of encouragement. He's a Lord of imitation, a Lord of complete transformation, a Lord of patience. He'll never rush you, and accusations rush us because mm-hmm. we go ping, 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 and our brain get all these thoughts. Um, but I think like, uh, page 64, um, at the top of the page, it says, As St. John tells us, the only place where the sun may rest mm-hmm. in it is in the bosom, or kopos in, in uh, Greek. He says, of the Father, which makes him simultaneously utterly divine by nature and utterly destitute mm-hmm. in the world. So it says, in our world, God is a vagrant. Yeah. Um, even further on, he goes on to say that um, we too have to draw ever closer to the Father's bosom as our sole resting place and the condition for this detachment from all worldly human security. Mm-hmm. That's our world right now. We're so secure. It's just not good. It says, it says, we can't have it both ways. And I just wrote on the side margin of mine, why do we tr- always try to have it both ways? <laughs> like, why do we do that? I can have yeah. Jesus and I can have yeah. the Father and. And it's like, no, you can't. Right. So, and you're, I guess, asking you, um, why do you, or why do you think people, or even ourselves, why do we think we can say, Jesus, I'll go wherever you want you to do, but then we're not following a narrow path. We have like, you know, our backpack full mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. or whatever, and we're kind of like bloated. Yeah. <laughs> and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus does ask us to lay all those things down, 
but as we just were talking about, he's gentle in that process. Mm-hmm. And it is a process for many of us. Like some people are able to strip themselves of everything in a moment and just run after Jesus. But yeah. for those of us maybe who are a little slower on mm-hmm. the journey, he might take some things out of our backpack when we're ready yeah. to lighten the load and then we can go a little farther and then some more things come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's helpful to have an attentiveness to what he's pressing in gently on now like Mm. what is that thing maybe it's one thing right now that the lord is inviting you to hand over to him to become more poor like he was poor (laughs) to trust in the father only and even like i think the need for community i kind of preached about this past Mm -hmm. weekend but it's easier to get off like the treadmill of the world uh when other people are doing it too i mean most people they go out and drink on campus because other people are doing it. They dress up and they Mm -hmm. maybe are very immodest because other people are doing it too. But when you have other people searching for virtue, I think it's much easier for you to do it too. And I think of like our guys, we just started accountability groups. Yeah, it's wonderful. And the need just to open up your hearts radically and allow um, yourself to know that you are created for more. Um, Clearly, because again, if it's not that big of a deal, why can't you stop? Mm -hmm. And I think the the need for... um, Humility is important, but also, as he says on page 65, uh, towards the top, um, I'm just going to start on the bottom, page 64, and one to 65, because he has something where I just wrote amen with like 85 exclamation points. <laughs> um, he says, but the Father that the, says, but the Father that the disciple wants to bury is already dead, so the corpse becomes an obvious symbol of the way in which a disciple must regard everything he has left behind from his standing point at Jesus' side. This is my, what I underlined. I was like, let's freaking go. Um, he says, compared to the person of Jesus, everything else is as if it were dead. So it might be something just to be able to take, take that approach with reverence. But if anything compares to Jesus, you don't know Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If we say Jesus is just like Muhammad or Buddha or whatever we have to be humbly meant say maybe i don't know you because nothing compares to jesus and even says but jesus is all the while building a new form of family the church the great brotherhood and sisterhood that god as father has god as his father and before this reality even one's human family takes second place and i think that's like the idols mm-hmm. uh, if i hand this over to jesus uh whatever it is that gets in the way of my relationship with him I remember having a really famous religious sister, Mother Mary Catherine of the Missionaries of the Word, and she's pulled me and my friend aside before we got ordained deacons, and she said, and I don't, I'm, I'll trust anything she says, and I also don't know how to tell religious sisters no, um, <laughs> but she just said, whatever you're attached to, Jesus wants to have it, mm. and then he says, once you trust him with it, he'll give it back to yes. you, and I think like that's the thing where people miss, they think, oh, I have to give up this, and I have to give this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't know Jesus. Like, if you give him whatever you're attached to, whether it's your cell phone, your family, again, if you're good and bad things, you give it over to him, and I think once you trust him with it, he'll give it back to you more than you ever had it before, because you're free, and that's what he wants, is your freedom. Yeah, it's so true. I'm thinking of another book now that I read recently, The Spirit of the Liturgy by Ratzinger. So good. Pope Benedict XVI Emeritus. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing he talks about there is that in other cultures, a sacrifice is a destructive act. Mm. But in Christianity, a sacrifice is a creative, life-giving act. 
So when we lay things on the altar, when we sacrifice them to the Lord, like you said, he's not going to destroy them. <laughs> That's not what he does. He's a God who's creative and life-giving. Mm. So he'll take it and transform it, and it will be even better when we receive it back and rightly order it to yeah. our love for him. Yeah, even ourselves. Right. <laughs> you know, like he will do that with you. And I think often, like, you know, as he transforms the bread and wine into his body and blood through his unworthy priests, he wants to do that with you. Mm-hmm. Like, so at Mass, when the people give their sacrifice of bread and wine, their monetary offering, they should be spiritually, emotionally, psychologically placing everything they are and all that is a part of them, family and all that stuff, on the altar and asking, Lord, transform it. Mm-hmm. Transform my fears. And it kind of goes into uh, page 66. Um, he says, for mysterious reasons of his own, Jesus wanted to expose his friends to mortal fear, like you said. But then in the next uh, paragraph, he says, the disciples may now ask themselves to what extent they have been following Jesus out of mere curiosity, out of boredom with their dull lives, out of discontent and restlessness, or simply in order to associate with someone who is wise and important. And towards, um, where did I write that? I just want to, because we're kind of getting to the end of our time. Um, uh, on page 68, he goes into, I said, the stakes are high and the price in self-surrendering trust utterly worth paying. So he's asking us to go to the other side so we can stop saying, Lord, we are perishing and say, Lord, we are flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that the disciples have this transformation. They are learning how to be God's children in the same way that Jesus was. So <laughs> Jesus is uh, homeless. He is a child who belongs to another world. And um, he goes on further to say, and because of their own emotional and practical capacities, have it reduced to nil. I know that he can still them, calm them, as a colicky baby can be. (laughs) Only he can do it. Yes. Um, Yeah. So good. (laughs) Just good. Yeah, he's the only one who will take what we give him and do something beautiful with it. If Mm -hmm. we give our sexuality to the god of pornography, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. going to be warped and destroyed. Mm -hmm. If we give our sexuality to the Lord, he will do great and beautiful things with it. And I think that's true of, that is true of everything. Yeah. And even as you're talking, the the people couldn't see it, but your hands were kind of like up. Uh, (laughs) In the sense of like, it's also like a symbol of like, no, Lord, you can't go here. You can't come into my Mm -hmm. sex life. You can't come into my family. You can't come into my children or you can't come into my work or my money. And wherever you're, you're not free, or you're, you have your hands up, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, pump the brakes, Jesus, okay? <laughs> um, that's where he most likely wants to come in. Yeah, exactly. And I think the last paragraph of this chapter um, just says, let us to allow this question to enjoy an unending echo in our hearts, which the question is, who is this man mm-hmm. that even the winds and sea obey? But he says, and may its rever- reverberation little by little transform our lives. And I think that's the important thing of, like, it's a chisel, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's little by little. Some people, why we don't know, but they yeah, change it just immediately. Changes and but that's like done. one in a, one in a billion, <laughs> right. in my opinion. It takes time because the Lord is a gentle lover. Uh, he pursues you. He woos you. He is the you know. I really encourage a lot of people to read like the Song of Songs if you mm-hmm. want to know which Jesus loves you. Like yes. that is just like it's so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to really help you uh, go from one side to the other. So then, and then once you are there. He's like, oh, well, I've conquered these fears, and what helped me conquer these fears? And most likely, it's a lot of prayer, a lot of sacrifice, mm-hmm. a lot of time, the love of others. Re- retreats, community, all that stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of sacraments, a lot of confessions, a lot of anointings. Patience. Patience, patience, patience. Poco a poco, as they say in, in uh, 
Spanish, but I think then you can start going over with others and bring them from that side of the old person into the new so they can, they can see the transformation. Uh, and God knows we need witnesses. Like that is super, super important. But knowing like we're living like we don't belong here. And I think that's like Jesus is the homeless one. And guess what? So are we. So are we. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to end with a couple shout outs. We just want to say thank you, first of all, for, for um, listening. And I just want to give a shout out. Uh, one thing people probably know, I love the workout. Uh, we do a, th- a program called Fit Shepherds. When I was in Anago, my friend, uh, this is a shout out to him, Father Mark Bernhard, um, best friend, and he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Joliet. And uh, he got me hooked on this to start this. I was doing something different at my parish, and I was like, being a little competitive, I was like, oh, we can do this. So we started in Anago, and now we just started here in, uh, at, the, at the Newman Center, and we were doing Faustina Fit for the women. Um, but one reason why I do, it is, I do it is also to hold myself accountable. So I go, I go to Anytime Fitness in Oshkosh, and they... For some reason, named me the uh, member of the month because like you keep <laughs> you recruited refer- a lot of people. yeah like, you keep referring people. And I, I love networking, um, but I wrote on there there I was reading my little thing today. <laughs> and I was just like, why did you first start working out? And I wrote vanity, but then I was like, once I'm kind of board, I realize my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have to honor it, but also I get a, I have a trainer. So Father Kevin Ripley and I get trained every other Monday um, because we don't want to ask anyone to do anything we're not willing to do. So how can we? lead a fit shepherd's workout if we're not being trained ourselves mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you realize how much work you have to do when you put yourself under a master mm-hmm. and you're like you just want to go 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 fast 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 and they're like no let's just realm wasn't built in a day let's chill out so mm-hmm. um, I, I think you have a, a shout out yeah, for food place for festival foods <laughs> where we buy a lot of things for the Newman Center and there's a wonderful woman who works there whose name is Mai M-A-I and if you can get in her line she will Sweet. cheer up your day no matter okay. how bad it is <laughs> My day. Okay. Yes. Got it. Um, I also just want to give a uh, shout out to a listener. Uh, his name is Barton Kretzel. He's one of our mm. staff members yeah. here at UB Oshkosh. So today he'll be leading our book study on um, this really good book we've heard about um, called The Way of the Disciple. <laughs> you might have heard of it. Yeah. He, so he'll be reading that. I'm doing, going over that with, with some staff members at UW Oshkosh. But I just want to give him a shout out because he's uh, just a good, holy man who mm-hmm. wants to be a good man. And he listened to me one time after every single time we do a... Uh, Bible study or book study, I always end with, and if you don't know what to do, guys, go buy your wife's flowers. <laughs> and he did. And his Aww. wife is now part of the book study, and she's like, I'm so happy. And he, he looked at me, he's like, yeah, I bought her flowers. I did what he told me to do. Um, and, and for those guys who are out there, for students, um, girls always love flowers. And then as uh, one of our focus missionaries said, and chocolate. And chocolate, yes. So Oregon gets chocolate flowers. You Dark know, chocolate whichever. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and my shout out is to Tammy Baston, who works at the diocese. She's on Bishop's Round Table, and she had sent me an email saying she was really enjoying the podcast. So thank you, Tammy, for listening and yeah. for all that you do for us. Amen. Yeah, we needed so much help. <laughs> uh, for hopeful, hopeful listeners, uh, just wanted to give a hopeful listener to one of my uh, dear friends, a spiritual daughter of mine, Maria Gergleski. She is a fourth year missionary at UMD, where Father Mike Schmitz is a chaplain, who I always have to say he literally said he was jealous of me so like I just find that <laughs> phenomenal the person who has the most popular podcast for scripture in the world, in the world uh, <laughs> said he was jealous of me so I just love that so uh, and my shout out or my uh, hopeful listener I guess I just want all our students to listen mm-hmm. so if you're a student who's listening to this and it's been helpful to you share it with another student or mm-hmm. several yeah or your family or, or your whatever family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we also you know if you have prayer requests we are open for those we do take mass intentions that kind of fun stuff uh, but you can email us at titancatholics 
at gbdioc.org. Um, and we, you know, we'll definitely pray for you at Mass and offer those prayers because that's a blessing that we're able to do is to pray for you at the Most Perfect Prayer, which is the Mass. And as we end, um, Sarah is going to lead us in the Litany of Trust. So the apostles, you know, they said, you know, or Jesus said to the apostles, oh, you of little faith. Or another word for faith is trust. So we're going to pray the Litany of Trust. A litany is, again, just a, a very special, fancy word for list. And we just do these petitions as a sign of our metanoia, as a sign of our trust. And then again, I would just encourage you, if anything stands out to you in this litany of trust, press pause mm -hmm. or uh, re-listen to it. And then enter into dialogue with Jesus and ask him to calm the storm of any areas of fear or distrust. So we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And our response to these petitions is, Deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that I have to earn your love. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable. Deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute. Deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises. Deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you. Deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will. Deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future. Deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past. Deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment. Deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have. Deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands. Deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement. Deliver me, Jesus. And the response now will be, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering, united to your own, will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphaned, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. 
Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed week. And again, if you have any prayer requests, just send them over to titancatholics at gbdioc.org and know of our prayers. God bless you.